All right, guys, what's up? We're uh, back for another podcast episode, playing to win number 77 today. Vigorous Steve joins me. What is up, Steve? I'm very good. How are you? It's been good, man. over a year, right? That we yeah, lost it's been time. over a year since we connected last time doing a podcast. And uh, I've really enjoyed your videos over the years. Um, Thank you. You, know, we, you know, we talked the last, uh, you know, hour, hour and a half that we did, and I kind of wanted to catch up and there was an interesting thing that happened last month with Liver King that I kind of want to start off yeah, with. But if course. you guys don't know who Steve is, you should definitely check out his his channel. Uh, his channel is hyperlinked in the title of the video. You're going to see why as you kind of watch this, you know, videos we get into. But let's sort of start off with the Liver King thing because um, right. back in December, uh, mm -hmm. Derek from More Plates, More Dates put out a pretty compelling video. And I, I kind of figured it out pretty quickly and i saw that the reddit threads do as well and yeah. you were like the source of the original email when he was he was yeah. basically trying to connect with somebody to sort of help him grow his business like he made it very very clear in the email that he wanted to blow up his business and get lots of views and he needed to sort of like have the look as well which is what he sort of developed with his physique but he lied about his physique and and continuously when he was probed and asked that he was always natural um when did he hit you up with that email by the way so that was about one and a half years ago. I think that was the second or third email that we had because we had a consultation prior. And um, during that consultation, he basically portrayed himself as a very successful guy, you know, usually a, a guy that I prefer to work with at that time for coaching. So that was one of the last clients I actually accepted as a coaching client. Um, then it took a little while for us to get started because he was busy and I'm quite busy at that time also. And then I, I sent him a questionnaire that was... Uh, forgive me if the dates are wrong. I mean, it's been such a long time. I think it was like May or April 2021, give or take. And um, he filled it out. Also, that took a while. And then we started working together a couple of weeks later. And I saw a ton of red flags. Um, so I decided to let him go. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, you see him get more popular and more popular. Basically, everything that he said that he wanted to do in that email he actually accomplished, you know, a million subscribers or followers by uh, May 2022, yeah. which was last year. So yeah. That's quite commendable. But the way he did it, um, you know, was based on kind of a false premise. Yeah, and there was a lot of deception. So, like, what were the red flags early on for you when you sort of took them on, you know, for a consult? So, so I still don't want to go too much in depth uh, because there's a lot more to be said, but it, it could just hurt the guy further. And the whole mm -hmm. idea behind releasing these emails was for him to come clean and end the lie. Right. So I could right, give him a little bit of incentive to finally come clean and then, you know, address the situation after lying through his teeth about that for one and a half years right, to mm -hmm. the audience. So I just saw a couple of red flags in it for people that coach or do mentorships. They would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, OK, so I decided to um, when I took him on, I figured, you know, with the blood work, OK, it's not perfect, but I think it can fix it right mm -hmm. with time um you know the diets it's not perfect but i feel i can you know show some improvements to make him healthier and um after two or three weeks of miscommunication and then him saying that he didn't want to make those changes or do further testing regarding organ imaging or blood work mm. you know i figured man i know exactly where this is going to go i've coached bodybuilders for over a decade and when i see that the reluctancy to take care of your health it's just not something that I enjoy working with, you know? So I refunded him. Now he says that I didn't refund him, which I'm not sure if that's a tactic to get me to release a PayPal statement with his full address, because that's even worse 
they're releasing emails. It's basically doxing a guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that's a tactic, but I'm 100% sure that I refunded this guy. Um, and otherwise, I, w- I wouldn't understand why somebody would wait one and a half years to bring that up. I, why would you? Yeah, that must have been hard to sit on your fingers during that time, like not saying anything, you know, seeing him on, on podcasts. <laughs> saying, oh, yeah, I'm totally natty. I've never touched this stuff, never would touch, you know, with the hand up in the was air that, like this. Yeah, King yeah, yeah. That, right? <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was pretty, honestly, it was painful, right? And the position the guy wanted to put me in, basically, he wanted to keep me, you know, in, in the background, which I don't mind. I, I mm-hmm. shadow coach people and help people that are known or, or competed the world championships but they're subject to drug testing i help them beat the drug sets and everything but they, those guys don't go around pretending to be natural and and sell um a fake image yeah yeah supplements that are that are you know an image that is unobtainable without yeah, this take this capsule of like a beef liver or something and you'll look like me is basically what he's you know purporting anyway. yeah basically yeah so those those guys that i help um they don't have to worry about anything because they're not disingenuous. But this guy, you know, he goes on a Mark Bell podcast and he, he, you know, for hours tries to convince him that he's natural to the point Mark Bell actually believed him. And I, I felt bad for the guy. I'm like, man, I can't believe this, you know. So so Derek got some evidence and I got some evidence. We talked about this for quite some time. And after a while, I just had enough. I'm just like, you know what, this, this needs to end. Mm-hmm. Give this guy an opportunity to come clean. Um, and then get started on the documentary. So I gave him permission to use those emails in a redacted form. And those are mm-hmm. two emails out of 25,000, if not more, that I've received over the last 10 to 15 years that I've been trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot, a lot of people went right, quite hard on me right, for the last month, six weeks that, oh, you should never release those emails. And, you know, for the other, you know, hundreds of people that I've helped, that would never happen because they were not disingenuous. Mm. So people say that you know, I'm a leaker and a snitch and a rat and this and that, but somebody has to be the whistleblower in this case. Mm-hmm. And I was part of it. Uh, but of course, as the former coach for two, three weeks, you're the one that gets the most fire out of it. So anyway, I gave, I gave Derek permission to release it. And then, mm-hmm. well, people knew within four to five days that uh, it was my email. Yeah, it's amazing so I, how people like like overinvest in like these ideas and these notions <laughs> and these ego investments. Like, how could you betray somebody like like the guy's a piece of shit? Like he like it's it's I mean, it was clear to me from the get-go. People asked me, you know, when he started to rise in fame when I was doing Q&As or or podcasts, like every once in a mm-hmm. while, somebody would call me call in and be like, you know, what do you think of this liver king guy? You know, I think he's natty. And I'd look at him and be like, Are you kidding me? Like the vascularity, <laughs> the size of the veins yeah. are like ropes going down his arms. He's huge, yeah. you know, for like in your 40s. It's impossible for your nuts to produce that that amount of testosterone. Like you'd have no. to be. I've, I've never like, seen it in my life. And I've seen right. some very good drug-free athletes, yeah. some phenomenal drug-free athletes who didn't even cl- look close to him. So everybody in the bodybuilding community, everybody with a brain. New. Everybody yeah. with a brain new. Um, so what I realize now is that basically I tried to better the the well the well-being of the general population and um are you still there okay yeah I'm yeah, can you hear me? yeah okay. okay so i i tried to basically better the well-being of the general population to make them understand that this is not possible without steroids mm-hmm. and the guy's lying to you guys and it was exactly the general population that hated me for it but it was the bodybuilding community and the people that you know knew exactly what was going on that understood you know what this is just another charlatan that's going to come rise and fall within one or two years. And that's part of the fitness industry. 
Right. You know? So it was, yeah, it was a very particular situation. I thought about it very, very long and carefully for over a year. And at one point I just saw that the guy tried to undo a lot of our hard work, you know, to educate men on what you should do. And that's being healthy and, and doing your blood work and brushing your teeth and wiping your ass. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, whatever happened to the blood labs, there was, there was indication in Derek's video that, um, there was mm -hmm. more coming with blood labs. So uh, they had a conversation and, uh, on request that blood work will not be released mm, okay. for now. Yeah. yeah. So that was so, a friendly conversation. Um, and then he still shitted on me, but I, <laughs> I understand, you know, it's okay. Um, I made it. I made a redact uh, redaction on my statement, right? Because I wanted to wait what his statement was going to be, and then when I watched his statement, I'm like, "Dude, I should have released this like over a year ago when he just got started with this nonsense." Mm. Um, you know, then it would have saved a lot of people a lot of heartache. Now, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, as a former coach, you feel a little bit conflicted about it. So, when I saw that apology video, I made my statement. But then based on the discussion he and Derek had, it was a friendly discussion as far as I know, I redacted another 10 to 12 minutes, um, not to aggravate the situation any further, um, just to make people understand why I did what I did. And uh, yeah, that video went quite viral for my channel, you know, 150,000 views. Um, and that was the end of it. Then I went on holiday and then I, you know, I was wondering if I was going to meet the guy at the Mr. Olympia or not, mm -hmm. but he didn't show up and nobody oh, actually, nobody did. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, usually when this kind of like for our generation, if, if there's drama, you, you would like to have a conversation, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe, I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of deception in the world today, right? Like there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I see it with a lot of the conversations I have. I know guys in your space, like the bio bro sort of space, you know, see yeah. people, you know, holding out claims, whether it's take this and you'll yeah. grow muscle, rub this on your like head and you'll grow hair, <laughs> yeah. you know, take this cream and rub it on your Johnson and your, you know, your dick's going to grow make a, I did make a video about that. Yeah. But I haven't had an opportunity to try that, unfortunately. Like legitimately guys, if you have a, male uh, performance enhancement, sexual enhancement, uh, mm -hmm. muscular, you know, development sort of question on anything, just type it in, you know, YouTube and then put vigorous Steve after it. I guarantee he's got a video on something out there. Yeah. He's pumped out yeah. a lot of content. How did you, how did you become an expert in this space? Like, like, where did you get all this knowledge from? Cause I mean, you, Derek, uh, even Leo, you know, like I used to like watching the bio bro, you know, like trio that you yeah. guys used to do. Why'd you stop doing them by the way? Um, time? No, uh, Leo had uh, some personal issues that he needed to resolve. Yeah, and um, I haven't talked to Leo since. Not really, but I have great news. The Bio Bros, under another name, Supervisualogical Man Podcast, will return this weekend. Cool. But that is going to be me, Derek, and another person. Okay. Yeah, yeah. he stopped. He stopped casting on his um channel uh several months ago i've seen him on tony huge and they've had some interesting yeah. conversation um cool so um yeah so how did you gain all this knowledge like is this just like years of doing work so, on yourself like why just, was the yeah there? just just years of, of trying to piece it together because when i started you know my fitness and bodybuilding journey at the age of 15 
um, I found that the information presented, whether that was the muscle magazines or the internet or people mm -hmm. in the gym, was kind of like either half truths or wrong. So I figured, you know, if I can't read the magazines and, and, and get truthful information, then I go to the websites, the forums, where people have open discussion, but you start to do the research and you realize that they're, you know, kind of full of ass also. Then I figured out, okay, I better just do it myself. And that means hours and hours, years and years of research. Mm -hmm. And now with, with some good understanding of biology, human male biology, and the clinical evidence and running all these weird experiments on myself before I even recommend that to other people, um, yeah, then you gain a decent amount of knowledge. Um, so now it's been 25 years of doing that. And I, I know exactly what works and what doesn't, even though the scientific evidence might not always support it. Um, now, because scientific evidence is just valid up until today, might be mm. disproven tomorrow. Mm. And, um, you know, experiments that I've run on myself and, and clients that are willing to do that, they, uh, they can show that, you know, particular practices still work, you know, to keep them healthy, to get better results with less. Um, of course, it turns into a full-time job if you really want to get great results without putting your health in jeopardy. That's why yeah, there's that's... always such a, you know, discrepancy between the bodybuilders and, and general population that just take PEDs recreational. Yeah, that's the, that's the sweet spot. You know, you, you know, you really hit it with, you know, for you to manage optimal performance and health, um, especially as you get older, it, it does become a full-time job. Like I was thinking about yeah. this the other day, I was, you know, I was thinking how much money and time do I spend every week on training, boxing, supplements, um, you know, prescriptions that I got to take, um, IV treatment, yeah, you know? IV treatment, sticking to the routine. It's a yeah. lot like, you know, real, real quick. I, you know, I have a personal trainer now that I deal with twice a week. He's mm -hmm. a former bodybuilder used to coach um not coach but um uh rate or grade you know bodybuilders on stage mm. and like, oh, i was, was a kind judge of, yeah judge and yeah, you know yeah. like he, mm. he was the kind of guy that's like okay you know before we get started because i'm like i just want to balance myself out right he goes okay so you know before we get started just you know strip down your boxers all right so you're standing there he's like all right your rear delts suck your hamstrings are fucking pathetic <laughs> your calves need work but i think we can fix all this right yeah so yeah. i'm like yeah that's what i need like i need that guy yeah. like, i don't want to yeah. you know like so there's that then i do boxing twice a week and then i learned that boxing is counterintuitive to building strength and muscle because mm -hmm. he's saying you know if i'm going to build your legs you can't be walking 10,000 20,000 you know steps no, per day like, you have to cut that back yeah. right i'm like okay so that's yeah. interesting i didn't know that either and then you have yeah. to deal with, you know, weekly IV treatments because now I'm doing an IV bag every, every Friday with glutathione. Then I alternate that what? with phosphocholine. What's that? Yeah. Well, what, what is in your IV bag? Because I just started this about a year ago and I'm, I'm fascinated on what people take. Yeah, mine's, yeah mine's um, a mixture of vitamins. So uh, B vitamins, C vitamins, um, mm -hmm. you know, like a cocktail of that. Then it's a cocktail of some amino acids. So muscle building sure. aminos. Mm -hmm. uh nitric oxide boosting like L-arginine, L-citrulline, um, right. mm -hmm. counters it with some immune health stuff like L-lysine, you know. So there's this whole cocktail of like aminos and they squirt in the bag the glutathione. So that's one week. And then the alternating week I do um, uh, phosphocholine, which is really right. good for, you know, cleaning up um, heavy metals in your body, right. cleaning out, um, you know, things that are in your arteries, blockages, mm -hmm. fats, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so it has a lot yeah, of enhancements it's, it's, on cardiovascular yeah. health, sexual performance, all that sort of stuff. Right. So that's a lot. And then you have to deal with the, the diet because yeah. sugar tastes that's, good. 
right? Yeah, I know. Tell we all know that. that carbs taste good. Two weeks of sugar in America. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you're 25, you can get away with smoking a big fat joint, eating a bag of Doritos, smashing it back with a protein shake and wake up in the morning and look ripped every day. But when you get older, you really have to pay attention to your diet, right? You have to pay attention to carbs. You have to take everything. I I think as entrepreneurs, you're kind of cursed in that way because you're just so busy grinding that you're actually Mm -hmm. sitting in the same spot. That's the other problem. 10 hours, 12 hours per day. Whereas when you were a dead broke teenager or 20 year old, you walked everywhere. So you got your steps in. And I think that was part of the reason why I stayed so lean. I, yeah. I don't know how, how, how financially secure you were when you were 20, but I had broke. not so much. Yeah, yeah, I was broke. Right. So so you walk to the bus, right? You take public transportation, you walk here, you walk there, you go to university, you walk around there all day. And uh, that that helps to keep you lean. You can eat pizza every day and it's fine. But yeah. then you sit on your, your butt every day, you know, trying to work and, and grow your business. Yeah, my diet back then was oh shit, you know McDonald's has uh, what do they have? Yeah, have bacon cheeseburgers on sale, right? Five or six bacon cheeseburgers and just smash those back, right? And you yeah. still look good, like you know you could still uh-huh. manage your body would still manage to process it and turn it into muscle. It didn't matter yeah. when you were young, but when you get older, it's a lot like like you said, the older you get, it becomes more of a full time job. Like the amount of time and money that I because. I want to represent masculinity and strength when I'm talking to guys. Like I tell guys, do the fucking work, yeah. pick up heavy shit, right. learn how to exactly. fight. I would be a hypocrite if I didn't do the work myself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I tell guys, you know, manage your blood labs. That's the other thing too, managing your blood labs. I mean, I get my blood pulled every three, you know, three and a half months. You look at guys' blood yeah, work too, right? Yeah, I do it all the time. I mean, I yeah. pull mine every month because yeah. in Thailand, I can Monthly. do it every day. Yeah, I can do it monthly if I want. Wow. Because I run the experiments, you know, and I I, I like to stay on top of my health. And I've, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes regarding PEDs in the past. Yeah. So I just got to stay on top of my shit. And, um, you know, yeah, if people need help with blood work analysis, yeah, I'm always available for consultations. It's it's amazing how your body changes too, because it's like, you know, one of the things I learned over the last few years watching your videos and the other guys that you've worked with in the past as well is that mm-hmm. um, kidneys are very sensitive to androgens, yeah. you know, especially. Um, and kidneys seem to be the first thing that go when you're lifting heavy weights, stress in your body, you consume mm-hmm. a lot of protein and you take um, androgens like, you know, even even therapeutic testosterone at those levels, you, you know, you really have to be mindful. So. I mean, if you're taking PEDs or if you're on TRT and you're not managing your blood properly, you could really end up in a situation where your organ health suffers. And like you see guys die very quickly, you know, when it gets in the So when when your kidneys fail, the heart fails and liver fails quite rapidly after that. Right. And people always blame particular steroids like boldenone is kidney toxic or trimbolone is kidney toxic or deanabol is kidney toxic. The only reason why they mention those compounds is because the studies have been performed. But when you look at the, the steroid family as a whole, you can't really find studies performed on primabolin or mastron or other PEDs regarding kidney health. What we do know is that kidney disease is more prominent in men because androgens, including testosterone, are not so good for kidney health. That's yeah. why naturally your testosterone levels decline. And that's why uh, what you see with pets, for example, I just got six cats and so I really started hammering into the pets. You see that with cats and dogs, when they get neutered, castrated, they have less instance of kidney disease, mm-hmm. less less issues regarding that. So as a bodybuilder or even somebody else on TRT, you're 
basically actively trying to damage your kidneys, even by staying on TRT, even though the quality of life improves substantially, right? TRT is great, mm-hmm. great for business, great for productivity, great to keep your libido at older age, man, this, there's a million benefits of TRT, but you really need to manage your blood pressure because even keeping these testosterone levels at you know higher levels than you would produce naturally might be you know not so good for your kidney health. Now, again, long-term data regarding TRT and kidney health I wasn't really able to piece that together, you know, conclusively. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think anybody on TRT or men in general, blood pressure management is the lowest hanging fruit you can pay attention to. More important than hair loss, more important than libido issues, more important than gyno or acne, blood pressure management. That's the most important thing any man can look at. You can do it. You can do it with cardio. You can do it with supplements. You can do it with your diet. You can do it by de-stressing. Mm which is the, probably the hardest. And then, and then there's medication to manage that. And whether that's Cialis, you know, or, or Telmasartan, an angiotensin receptor blocker. I mean, there's so many methods to control your blood pressure. So anybody that walks around with high blood pressure now, unless it's hereditary, and even then it's addressable, I don't I don't see a reason why, you know, unless you're morbidly obese and, and mm. the fat is kind of compressing your veins, you know, that's, that's also a reason for high blood pressure or sleep, sleep apnea. So I think blood pressure, if you can address that, you're already light years ahead. Mm. Uh, yeah, there was a there was an interesting video I saw somewhere. I can't remember who who did it to offer the credit, but um, I think the longest known study they've ever done on androgens and, and, and kidney health was kind of accidental. There was some, uh, I think they were Korean monks, and okay. And it was a time where they would uh, castrate them, right? So they basically ah, yeah, the castrati, yeah, yeah. And I think they found that the that the Korean monks that were eunuchs basically lived something like thirty or or thirty five percent longer than mm-hmm. the general population because they didn't mm-hmm. have their nuts, and because you know you don't have nuts, you don't have testosterone and antigens, which mm-hmm. improves your kidney health. But but I think the you know the question really is is okay, you know maybe you can live thirty five percent longer as a eunuch. But yeah. why would you want to? Like the entire point yeah, of you 50 percent quality of life. <laughs> yeah. Like I would like I would rather knock a few years off the end and yeah. live mm-hmm. better, you know, during my prime years and live an extra <clears throat> like 35% longer to like 110 or something like that with right. no Johnson. You know what I mean? So what, what I would say is if you if you decide to go this route, TRT, TRT plus or T3 plus 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 plus, which is usually what it ends up anyway, right? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. You're just, let's say you live 100 years and you compress that into 75 years of a higher quality. That's that's how I looked at it. So in, mm-hmm. you, you actively make your life shorter, but the mm-hmm. quality of your life during this shorter time is substantially higher than anybody else. And I would not trade that for the world. Yeah. Now, will I will I regret it at 75 years old and, and you know, the, the clock is ticking on me? Who knows? You know, but at least I, mean, I can look back on a great time. How, how, how? How reasonable or or how easy is it for a guy to optimize his health in his 40s and 50s? Because you're about 40, right? Yeah, I just turned 39, so 40 this year. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, I've, so I got about... Been, so, yeah, I've been investing since 15 years old. Right? Okay. I've been doing the diet and the trading, and, and, and then I was drug-free for 10 years, and then 26, I started getting my hands dirty with PEDs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really the you know the most accurate 40 year olds because when i look back on my classmates that are now 40 mm-hmm. ooh, oh man those guys yeah. are those guys look 55 yeah yeah most oh. 
most most of the guys that I can go back and look at on you know from high school on Facebook, you know, because that's that's what happened with Facebook. All all classmates from high school, you you kind of friend each other, and you're like, oh, and you, you kind of look at your life, and you're like. And you're like, you're on what YouTube the hell happened concept. to you, dude? Like, you know, <laughs> or what happened to her? Oh my God, look at the state yeah. of her. Like, she was hot, and now, right? So, yeah. how, so how easy, or or how difficult is it for you to manage optimal health in a masculine, strong frame while making sure you're not damaging your body prematurely? Again, it's it's a full time job, but if you've been doing for a long time, then it's just your standards of living so i've always cooked my own food and i've always gone to the gym and i've always done my blood work and 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 well for the last what is it 15 years i've taken some peds right to manage my my physique and my health at the same time so for me it's just easy because i i don't know any different but if you're just getting started man it's just a shift if you come from general population and you've been eating mcdonald's since high school right like we yeah. talked about and you continue that lifestyle and now you're a fat mess yeah, that switch is going to be rough, right? And you don't even deserve TRT because you're so unhealthy that you need to fix your health first because otherwise your blood pressure is just going to go up and you get all these side effects. So I think it's just a slow transition to wherever you start from now. You know, you start to le uh, learn how to love training and then you learn how to love nutrition and then you learn how to love all the health screening and stuff. And then once you've got that in order, okay, take a little bit of PEDs. If your blood work shows that your testosterone is low, and your blood pressure needs more management and and then maybe later on you like a little bit of a mastron or primo or anivar or gh and iv treatment on top um i think you should set two hours per day aside for that which mm -hmm. is a lot but that includes the training and maybe three hours the training and the and the, the diet and you know doing a couple injections if you do so desire and taking some supplements but i think if you if you invest into your physique you can make it last such a long time mm -hmm. What's you know, your, a lot, but a, you know, a lot of people don't do that. Yeah, I was going to ask. So, what's your go-to foundationals for supplements and uh, prescriptions and drugs that you yeah. pretty much always use? Because I know that you kind of like move in and out of certain things. You talk yeah. about it on your channel. I want to fix my fatty liver disease, or I want to fix you right. know this sort of thing, or I'm going to take this out of my diet for a little while, or or take these out of my regime. What's your like go-to sort of mandatory baseline, you know, foundationals right now for supplementation, drugs and prescriptions? Yeah, so that that changed so much as I get older. Because if you ask the 25 or 30 year old me, I would, you know, lay out a hefty cycle and say, this is my base. This is what I'm gonna do because I wanna be jacked. And now that I'm 40, I mean, we're going to aim for kids this year. Um, so my cycle is going to be very simple. It's just going to be fertility medications. And uh, ACG. Uh, ACG and HMG. And if, if that doesn't work, then I'll go with recombinant follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more expensive. Um, so my, my protocol kind of changes all the time. I think the foundation should be diet and exercise. It's boring and annoying as it sounds. Right? It's a, obviously there was a bodybuilder, the, the, the training and the nutrition you have to, you know, but it is true. That's the mm -hmm. foundation of it. Then as you look at your training, you can see if you need some supplements for that, whether that's creatine or citrulline, you know, you so work out. No, not anymore. But my 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 being huge aspirations are over. Over, yeah. I, Do you think that creatine is damaging to your organs like your kidneys or is it safe? No, no. You just need to stay hydrated. Mm. 
because the, the the old school mentality is is that your creatinine levels are a good indication of kidney health which is a very poor indication of kidney health mm -hmm. creatinine is just a metabolic byproduct of protein metabolism in the muscle so if you have more muscle you're more physically active you'll have more creatinine and if you mm -hmm. take creatine monohydrate or another creatine on top your serum creatinine levels are going to be higher and if you're worried about your creatinine do a 24-hour urine collection test get an actual glomerular filtration rate tested not the e not estimated gfr a true gfr with a 24-hour urine collection test and then you'll see that your gfr it's like 170%, even though your serum creatinine levels is very high and the eGFR is 70%, but your real GFR based on your urine is way higher than 100. Mm -hmm. So else look, yeah. Look, oh, sorry, uh, go ahead, finish. Yeah, finish, yeah. Yeah, so so if you want an indication of kidney health, look into cystatin C. That's kind of the goal. That's the one I use, kidney yeah. Health. Yeah, so that's, you know, finally people are, that's finally catching on because I've been using that one for years. You'd be surprised. And There's very few labs that do it here, Steve. Like, like I know for me to get my horrible. mine done, they'll they'll pull the blood here. None mm -hmm. of the technicians know about it. Like I brought it up, and they're like, "What's it called? How do you spell it?" And then yeah. you know, a supervisor comes in. What's it called? How do you spell it? Then they find it somewhere in some sub manual, and then they send <laughs> the sam sample down to California, which is where they measure it, yeah. and then they send the numbers yeah. back from there, right? Yeah. No, no. It's it's very frustrating when you realize that you know way more than the medical professionals that you have to deal with to keep you healthy preventatively because preventative health doesn't exist. They only have a reactionary health yeah. and right? you get yourself sick. Okay. Now you go do chemo and right? you get yourself sick. Okay. Now we cut out your prostate. You really have to take ownership for this yourself. Like you can't rely on the medical yeah. community because it's more sick care. It's more just, just, just yeah. keep you healthy enough that you're not dead and not sick enough that you're in the hospital. And by the way, yeah. take all of these, you know, 72 pills that you need every day exactly. for your heart. Yeah, all the medications with, with when you start, <laughs> you start rechanging the medication, you're like, man, this is some serious stuff. And they, yeah. they, they forgo all the drug interaction. So let's not even go there. So I think if you're 40 years old and you're, you know, regardless of age, if you really invest into your health and you get educated on the subject of health, man, you can, you can improve the quality of your life so much. But just like a regular job or a relationship or owning a car owning a car takes time hmm. right you need to drive it maintenance and and you know the car in the human body analogy is always valid treat your body better than your car you know people, people understand don't. the need no unfortunately not you need to clean your car you need to wax it you need to make sure you have the proper tires you know the, the engine needs to be sustained and then people know all about this but then you ask them about their organ health and they're like I, I don't know, you know, uh, they, have blood these, um, they have these uh, tests for cars. It's called Blackstone Labs and I've used them before. Great company. Uh, and what you do is you send them in a sample of your oil and yeah. then they measure the oil for things like copper, which might come off the piston rings or seals, you uh, know, and various other metals, parts per million. And then they send yeah. you a lab back and they say, you know, Oh from, wow! Yeah, from all of the cars that we've measured the oil on, that's something like like the last car I did on it was a BMW M5, and they're like, you know, this is the average, mm -hmm. and then this is where you are. So you kind of have an idea based on the mileage, how much wear right. and tear is happening on the engine. And a lot of guys in the car community will get geeky and really, you know, do stuff like that to see, you yeah. know, how much longer their engine is going to last, you know, right. stuff like that. But guys won't pull blood laps because it costs too much <laughs> money. <laughs> Like this is your body. <laughs> this is your yeah. own blood. Like your blood's oh, like man. oil in a car, right? But they yeah. won't spend the money or time on themselves. 
Unbelievable, right? And it's the same people that really love their pets. They they give their pets like raw food. They cook food for their pets. They really treat them like kings. And then they I've seen eat their... ads for NMN for your pets, like like pet chewables. Oh now. wow! Yeah, showing oh, wow. up in my feed and social media. Oh, that's crazy. So so I hope that like in the end, this is all you have, right? This body is all you have. Yeah. And if you treat it really well, it lasts, and it gives you such insane return of investment, like the ROI that you get out of spending all the time in the gym and, and cooking and, and IV bags, etc. The ROI that you get out of that is insane because I don't have any of the issues that most 40-year-olds face. Mm-hmm. I don't have the libido issues. I don't have the acne issues. No, no hair loss. It's just self-induced, right? I mean, just more convenient. And so all these all these gen pop 40-year-olds or 50-year-olds that I, that I hear talk about their issues, I have none of it. Mm because I invested such a long time and I, I would recommend everybody to do the same, you know? And if you're not financially secure, instead of spending money on cheap thrills, you know, going drinking and, and you know, that kind of stuff, um, spend it on yourself, man, on your body, level that up first. And then you'll yeah. see that everything in life will be 10 times easier. You know? um, we got a little sidetracked there, but you were talking about yeah. a lot of the drugs and the prescriptions and supplements that you take. So again, like the baselines yeah. for everything. So, so the baseline from on TRT, um, you know, personally, I prefer TRT around, you know, 200, 250 milligrams per milliliter. It's a little bit higher than general TRT, but that's like the, the lowest I can get away with to sustain my size. Because keep in mind, I used to be 260 pounds. Now I'm about 230. So, two, you know, two, give or 230 is a lot of muscle. How tall are you? 5'9". Uh, so that's okay. 175 centimeters. Yeah, Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's a lot of muscle for your frame. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. You don't really see it on camera, but every time I go to an event, people are shocked. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. I saw the pictures on your Instagram. You're a big dude. Like, like you're (laughs) a tank. Right. Yeah. It doesn't translate well to camera, but in real life, if you meet me, I'm I'm bigger than, you know, most guys. So that, that basically you you try to take the lowest dose of testosterone you can get away with still having a good workout, good libido good overall quality of life, whether it's 150, 250, it's up to the audience, right? Um, personally, I like a better blocker, Nobivolol, over any other bl- uh, blood pressure medication. So I would run Telmisartan, for example, on a cycle. If my if I increase my testosterone to 500 and I throw some Primo on top, yes, I would run an ARB, angiotensin receptor blocker. But now that, that I'm kind of winding... That blood pressure. Yeah, so the nabivol, yeah, Telmisartan does bring down your blood pressure, and then nabivol also does the same thing because it it blocks and uh, activates certain receptors, so it brings your heart rate down, and it also um, relaxes the vasculature vasculature in your bl- uh, blood vessels, right? So that relaxes it, and your blood pressure goes down. So you have with one drug, you have two positive effects: uh, heart rate goes down, so now you're more leveled, more composed. Uh, which I found is very beneficial for entrepreneurship, right? To make better decisions, just to keep your heart rate down, low stress, right? Low sympathetic nervous system drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the blood pressure management is just good, but I already take, you know, my electrolyte balance is perfectly managed. I do my daily fasted cardio. I don't eat garbage, right? So I manage my blood pressure that way. And then the bivalol is just an extra on top. And then um, now mostly is everything about anti-aging because I'm getting older. And the oxidative stress I want to keep as low as possible. So I do do my injectable glutathione, 1,800 milligrams once a week. And then I do take 500 milligrams nicotinamide and a dinucleotide, NAD+. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Man, what a what a game changer that is. NAD plus. Yeah. And so so and you that's know, via both IV or yeah, that's IV. I heard with so NAD, remember... it's a very long IV drip because it's got to go slow. Like my guy was telling yeah, me, it's, most it's okay. <laughs> most places will basically have you there for like a few hours. They plug you in, you take a nap, or sometimes people even do it like overnight. Mm -hmm. That's not yeah, that's so not true for you. Um, I don't have the time for that mm. because I'm always working. Uh, <laughs> so I just do the free flow and I get 500 milliliters in 30 minutes and it's not comfortable. It's like basically when you, you know, you go to a roller coaster, you get that way up. And then as soon as right before you start diving, you get mm. a little bit of anxiety and that weird feeling in your stomach, like, oh, here we're going to go. So you feel like that, especially mm -hmm. combining NAD plus with glutathione. It's so much antioxidants mm -hmm. that you literally feel like you know, you're sinking right before the, the roller coaster. So you feel a little bit awkward for 30 minutes. Now, is that the best way to absorb all of that? Probably not. But I don't have the time to sit there for eight hours mm -hmm. to do the slow drip. So, and, and I found that's very beneficial to do once a week because I also take NMN, the nicotinamide mononucleotides, about 150 milligrams a couple times a day. And man, the energy production and the overall well-being I get from that cocktail alone, it beats any steroid cycle that I've ever done. And it mm. beats growth hormone, which was kind of like a false promise of anti-aging. You know, growth hormone offers some anti-aging benefits topically. You know, your nails grow faster, your skin looks better, your hair grows faster. Um, but in reality, it kind of ages you faster because it raises IGF-1 levels, um, which otherwise you have to mitigate with metformin. So you take one drug to... You know, combat the negative effects of another drug. And before you know it, you have five drugs in the picture. Mm -hmm. So I believe that NAD plus and NMN, man, it's such a game changer. And I, I, if, if you can do it, if you can afford it, I could recommend that to anybody. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. currently working on a, like a semi-anti-aging mitochondrial support stack that I'm going to record this week. And that's, I, you know, for the guys that want to move over to my channel, give that video a watch. It should be up sometime this week. I think that's going to be a huge game changer. I've been working on that for nine months on that protocol, doing all kinds of weird, you know, putting particular drugs and supplements in, removing them, seeing which one is beneficial, which one is would like to have, which one is, you know, a nice addition, but probably not worth the cost. That it will be a 30 minute video long. Mm -hmm. um, but for the guys that can follow through that, I think it's going to be a game changer regarding your overall energy levels and your productivity and, and, just your overall masculinity, man. I feel so good for the last year after. Do you take adding that um, stuff resveratrol also? No, no. You don't I see don't. any benefit to it? From this protocol alone, no. Because mm -hmm. it's expensive as, enough as it is, and it really makes you question all these other things that you can try. Mm -hmm. Like NR, nicotinamide riboside, which is a precursor to NMN. I've tried that, but I found that NMN works better. And then you have to look at the cost and benefits and all the scientific evidence. And then even though both compounds have enough scientific evidence to support it and enough YouTubers with podcasts to say, oh, this one is better, this one is better. Mm. I just go with the one that worked best for me. But I will recommend NR to people who might get a, potentially get a better result from that. So resveratrol, I've tried for maybe a year or two in duration. Didn't make a dent. Mm. Didn't make a difference. I've, I've tried krill oil for maybe two years. Didn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, but you take the krill oil and the fish oil out. Okay, that you notice. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, some of these experiments, that take a very long time. But once they are released, you know, I, I think they're 
quite game changers. And then I put everything in one video to uh, to make people understand. You know, some people might need to watch it twice because it's quite in depth sometimes. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah. So, so that's that's the most prominent thing that I've been using for the last couple of months. That is something I will continue mm -hmm. even after coming off cycle. But um, I think you just have to, like, if you really want to take care of your health, you kind of have to design it for your own because there's so many ways to skin the cat. Like, what about... Like what about supplements like you know vitamins and minerals and aminos and mm. stuff like that? Is that is that part of your regular? Yeah, so I, I I supplement quite heavily, but it's only on top of the nutrition that I get from my food. So first I I write my diet. You know I eat you know breakfast, lunch, dinner, some middle meals, right? So five meals per day, a post workout shake. I see which nutrients I already get, and then I supplement on top of that. So I supplement with uh, vitamin D3 because, well, I'm sitting inside all the time and I mm -hmm. don't have time to get sunlight, uh, which I should. But, you know, a supplement is faster. Uh, I supplement heavily with magnesium up to 2000 milligrams per day on top of the, the magnesium that I get from my diet. Which uh, um, variant do you use? Uh, glycinate, bisglycinate. Bisglycinate? Yeah. So I, I found that very beneficial because it helps with muscular contractions, mm -hmm. right? And then calcium and magnesium kind of help alternate the muscular contractions to simplify it. But magnesium, I get enough, or calcium, I get enough for my diet. Yeah, but it's pretty easy to get enough. calcium. Yeah, it's in most meat sources, a little bit of dairy. Um, uh, oatmeal is quite high in calcium. Some of the supplements contain calcium as well. Mm -hmm. So you get free calcium that way. Um, a little bit of selenium, a little bit of zinc, you know, all these just little amounts that most normal people or, or people who are not trading that excessively will never notice. Mm -hmm. But I notice it, right? So it's just like full biohacking, full micromanagement of uh, the, the, the supplements that I take. Mm -hmm. But I think as I come down, I'm going to filter all of these supplements and, and PEDs through fertility. And if I found some scientific evidence that it's, you know, negative on your fertility levels, okay, then that supplement or PED goes. Mm -hmm. I'll probably be left with nothing by the end of it. And then I'll have, uh, you know, steak and eggs and there's some vegetables left. And then I'm carnivore too. Have you ever done a, um, um, like a sensitivity test? I did a, uh, one of the labs I ad added uh, through was, was basically like a test where they run your blood up against certain allergens, you know, common ones, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, things that popped up near the top for me were, were kind of surprising, like um, eggs, dairy, um, mostly eggs, dairy, maybe a couple yeah. of nuts. Meats are very good with my body. Um, some, you, you know, some forms of grains. And I found that when I just took like eggs and dairy out of my diet, you know, for the most part, the farting stopped, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it was, it was really interesting to see that your body actually, you know, reacts to certain foods in such a way that it that it that it can like throw off your entire digestive sort of system have you ever yeah. done anything like that so i've done an elimination diet and a uh, check right where you check your blood and your skin for food allergies i've right. done that maybe five six years ago when i was really struggling with digestive issues and I, mm -hmm. I still have that list of foods i can eat and how often i can eat them through through the results for everybody test. yeah it's different for everybody so I know exactly based on those results from that test, what I can eat or how often I can eat it and my own elimination diet, which I found out about a lot of spices, for example, that I can't have. Mm. So I've done this very extensively a couple of years back and my, my, my digestion improved so much. 
Yeah. You know, but bloating also I, comes down too. I notice as well. Yeah, zero, zero, zero bloating, zero farts. Yeah. Whereas before, I would just eat what I wanted or thought was healthy. Right? Certain mm -hmm. vegetables, you think, oh, veggies, so it is very healthy. And you still fart up a storm at the end of the day. You know. So what's, now I mostly follow a FODMAP diet. What's a um, what's a good alternative to eggs if you get a sensitivity issue to it? Because I mean, you want eggs for the cholesterol. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other nutrients, like yeah, healthy fats, biotin, called, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so what's a good substitute for eggs for a guy like me? So there's many different kinds of eggs. You don't only have to go with chicken eggs. There's I know a lot of people are going to slam me, but duck eggs or quartz, quartz eggs, a very small one. All right. Mm -hmm. That's an alternative that you can look into. Now, mm -hmm. personally, I don't like to eat those eggs. Because either the one is small and the, the duck eggs are not very tasty. Yeah, in I don't my like opinion. duck eggs. I've tried them before. Yeah, yeah. Just to just bring up Michael and Hearn stuff. I'm sure a lot of people catch on to the, you know, the seven hundred dollar duck eggs. Michael Tran. Uh, yeah, Michael Tran. Yeah. So, but that is an alternative. So if you you maybe you're allergic to like um, you know chicken eggs that are uh, you know produced in one of those warehouse farms. But maybe uh, free-range eggs are good for you, mm. or maybe or maybe duck eggs, or or you know, or maybe you just exclude it for your diet for three to six months. You switch to a little bit more steak and liver, right, which have similar uh, nutritional values, and then and then whatever biotin or choline you don't get, you can supplement in. Mm -hmm. right? That's a good thing about supplements. You, you the the name literally implies it. You supplement it to your diet. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, is there a replacement for eggs? I mean, it's the most convenient food you can eat. So I, yeah. I've removed it for six months at one time. Yeah. And then uh, I reintroduced it and I could digest it beautifully. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I'll try that out. Um, you mentioned a few of the IV bags that you use, um, yeah. but you didn't mention phosphocholine or uh, Plaquex. I mean, like Plaquex is like the brand name out there, but yeah. phosphocholine is sort of the main ingredient. Is there a reason why that you don't use that? Uh, I did an MRI on my heart. And a CT scan in my heart, and they're perfectly clean. Now that's okay. just the heart. Um, so my my it's like a plaque score is what you look for. Yeah, my CAC yeah. score is zero. Yeah. Um, which is considering that I'm almost forty and I've ton taken a ton of PEDs mm -hmm. is uh, and, and there's cardiovascular disease in my family. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's quite surprising. So I don't I don't take that, but I might do so in the future. I have access to all of it, like the mm -hmm. injectable curcumin and the injectable EDTA, but I, I haven't seen a reason to use it yet. Um, so maybe in the future, I do it, NAD plus glutathione, vitamin C, B vitamins, yeah. and uh, cerebral lysin. I've done for a while. That's like cerebral lysin, yeah. brain, yeah, brain derived neurotropic factor. That helped quite a bit. Um, but I felt that I reached the ceiling and discontinuing it, I didn't notice a, a declining difference, so I haven't reintroduced that. Um, yeah, so that's basically my weekly IV treatment. Luckily, I, I know a private nurse here who comes to my house, I got everything that's that I need in the fridge. Yeah. yeah, that's that's why Thailand is great, you know, you just do everything on your terms. So she'll come over, um, plug you in, you can keep working while it's doing its thing. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I do. Yeah, I, I have like that. a tripod. I have a tripod, like one of those medical uh, yeah. things where you can just hook them. And it's right here. I got one arm. This one is loaded up and it just... Does she I leave and then come back or do you just take no, it out yourself stays, and manage No, she it stays here 45 minutes. Because I mean, like you literally, you know, take it out yourself and just pull it out. Yeah, you know, put the cotton on, tape it yeah, up. Yeah, but, but, but why, you know? 
right why when i when the nurse is already here and she's a professional she's very good at what she does and i don't have to move an inch yeah you know um <laughs> and it's oh. cheap you know, gotta remember that in thailand these, these services are very very cheap what does it cost in thailand by the way so i think the whole treatment cost me about a hundred dollars a week that's and it's about about $75 for the ingredients and $25 for the nurse. That's that's great. Um, yeah, so but that's per person. So she, she, my wife also does a similar right. treatment. Yeah. yeah. Ah, of um, course, there's epidide and semaglutide. Yeah. So, so there's this. So my friend Dragos is, you know, working on trying to lose weight. I think these are weight loss uh, peptides. Yeah. That's, what are your thoughts on those? Like, do you have any recommendation for guys that are that are more pudgy that are trying to drop weight? I'm I'm I'm, I'm one of the few people who actually introduced this to the fitness community mm -hmm. over two years ago when semiglutide and liraglutide and duloglutide first became popular. I was one of the first, besides Colette Nelson, um, who was very uh, knowledgeable about insulin and diabetic uh, medications. Um, we introduced this to the fitness industry a long time ago, and now it's exploded. I think they're highly beneficial. So first, I, I tried to introduce this to the bodybuilding community and they were kind of hesitant because they want to be blue collar. They want to suffer through the diet. You know, it's 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 not hardcore if you don't, you know, starve, et cetera. I'm going to let you keep talking. I just got to look up the name of a peptide here while you're doing that. Yeah, sure, to, sure. Sorry, go ahead. So with these drugs, you basically suppress your appetites to non-existent. Right? You're not hungry at all. You have to set your alarm um, so you're reminded to eat. And for general population, that's great, you know, because they overeat. So semaglutide is now being prescribed everywhere in the United States. I came to the United States, I landed in LA, and I saw huge fat billboards for semaglutide. I'm like, man, I can't, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe that they were promoting something that I've been talking about, you know, recommending for two years. And now it's on a big fat billboard. So that was uh, interesting to see. Um, and now there's a new medication called terzepatite, Munjaro, which is a combination GLP-1 and GIP drug. So you have the old generation that's Dula, Lyra, and semaglutide. It's just a glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonist. Long story short, it blunts your appetite through this receptor. And then there's another receptor called the gastrointestinal polypeptide or gastric inhibitory peptide, uh, GIP. And if you block or, you know, analog both receptors with uh, Munjaro, terzepatide, appetite suppression zero or appetite zero, full appetite suppression at, at a dose of 2.55 milligrams uh, every couple of days, you know, depending on the half-life. I haven't had a chance to use it myself, but everybody that I talk to, and yes, we will discuss this on the upcoming Super Physiological Man podcast. It was one of the topics. Mm -hmm. Um it's one of the most potent appetite suppressants you can get now. And I would prefer this over things like uh, tesofensine or Adderall or, or you know, um, what is that old, the, the discontinued methamphetamine-based medications. Um, I'm sure somebody in the, in the chat will mention it. These are very old uh, appetite suppressants. You basically just want to make you vacuum the house all day because it's so stimulating yeah <laughs> right so these, these are the kind of crazy drugs that people used to take um, but i think that these peptide medications it's just okay you inject it once a day once a week and the entire uh, burden of being hungry is gone so if you compete in a bodybuilding contest you don't think about food 
you have to set your alarm. If you're a, a busy businessman that at the end of the day is kind of stressed and then you have your worst meal of the day, which would happen to a lot of business guys, right? you kind of forget to eat, you forget to eat, and you have a horrible lunch and even worse dinner. And then, oh, just, you know, let's order grab food. And, and this takes that issue away. So even though these medications are, you know, mad expensive, unless you source them on the, um, you know, the illegal route and you get that shipped from Turkey or another country. Are these legal in North uh, America? Like, can you just get them from a peptide company? Or are they kind of gray prescription. Market? Yeah, on prescription. Yeah, on prescription. Same, same as here in Thailand, even though the pharmacies sell it, no issues. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is what I want to look up. A buddy of mine, we were talking about another peptide and he has access to a peptide company. He goes, if you want something that'll shred you, uh, terzepatide, which is, I think was the one that, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. blah, blah, blah. He goes, I'll send you a sample. He sent it, to, he sent it to me in a bottle that was labeled something else. It's just, you know, use something like zinc, you know, so yeah. the bottle says, you know, zinc on the bottle to get yeah. it through. Um, yeah, yeah, right. and then I asked him, okay, so is this a, is this a suppressant that you mentioned? Cause it was a mislabeled bottle. Cause I knew I did no idea why mm -hmm. he sent it to me. And he goes, I think so. And then he called it tesofensine. Tesofensine is different from that, right? Yeah. So tesofensine is, you could classify it as a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I think it's an SNRI. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that so much that research on it. Or? Yeah. So it, it works through a serotonin neurotransmitter pathway. So, and, and the um, terzepidite, the Munjaro, that works in the uh, intestinal tract and in the pancreas. And in the stomach, so it's a different signaling. Right? So terzepatide so, is the appetite suppressant. Is that a pill yeah. or is it a, a peptide an like injection. an injectable? Oh, it's an injection. That's an injectable peptide. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think what he sent me pen. was the pill. So if he sends you the pill, that's probably tesofensine, and that um, that that is a drug that is meant to be respected because it falls into the category of. of you know, an SSRI or an antidepressant, technically. So that might be a withdrawal period if you discontinue that. Whereas with um, terzepidide, semaglutide, liraglutide, duloglutide, you stop it mm -hmm. and your appetite comes back. And that's about the extent of it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But that's um, offensive. I haven't used it myself, but the people that I know that run it, they say that it's also a very potent appetite suppressant, but... What I know about brain chemistry, I'm, I, I would consider that a last resort. Mm -hmm. uh, I would rather look into the peptides instead. Again, they, they have some scientific evidence that they're not the healthiest. But, you know, if you, if you look into aspirin, <laughs> which has been extensively studied, I mean, dive into the research there, you would never want to touch aspirin ever again. Mm. So um, it just depends on what you read about it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hang on, there was a super chat here. Somebody threw on the screen. Yeah. Uh, have the goal to start a business next year. Do you think opening a gym is a good business market advice? On I'll okay. say this, guys. Anything that can be shut down by the next lockdown, the next scamdemic, the next climate lockdown, I yeah. I personally would not get into a business where they can lock your doors. But Steve, yeah. like, what do you think about gyms? Um, I looked into it, and I think it's not a good idea. I think it would be like a passion project to open up a gym, which is for many bodybuilders, it's just a passion product. They want to have their own gym. They want to attach their name to it, come trade at my gym. And then within two or three years, gin pop finds their way there and the overall enjoyment of your gym goes down. So yeah. that, and that's what I see with all, all gyms. So unless you treat it like a real business, um, not as a passion project, you need a supplement store attached 
you need something that looks like Subway or, or you know, one of those countertops where people can kind of piece their meals together. That will be a huge seller. Um, you need a place where people can, um, you know, buy clothes. And so you have like multiple avenues, multiple revenue streams within that complex to get people to spend more money while they're there. Otherwise, you know, just on the memberships, it's not feasible. In my opinion. I have a, I have a good friend that bought a gym, uh, like mm -hmm. two and a half, maybe three years ago. And yeah. he's, he's basically lost money every single month with the pandemic, even with the government bursaries and subsidies that they were paying out. He's yeah. like, like he was underwater for, for a long time. He just keeps it because, um, you know, it's like a hobby, you know, it's like a hobby for his yeah, family, for right. him and his wife. Yeah. So they, you know, sort of, they sort of like in that sense, but if you want to make money, like if you want to create wealth, like there's better ways to do it. I, I would say so. Yeah. Especially now, yeah, like you said, if you have something that's in one place and not online, yeah, again, you can get shut down. And even if you keep it open, you keep it private, and, and you find whatever loophole you can to keep that open, um, mm -hmm. you're still going to lose money on it. And, you know, unless you own the land and you don't have to pay rent, even the equipment, um, you know, investment is quite steep. Yeah. You know, so but personally, I wouldn't do it. If But if I had a couple extra million laying around, and I was tired of the gyms that I'm currently training at, and I found a piece of land that is purchasable. Hell yes, I would make my own gym, and it would be exclusive, and the membership would be astronomical, just to only to not let the riffraff in. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, sorry, dude. People don't like it when you say that. You know, when you use that term. Yeah, <laughs> but you you're better than me. No, it's not that. But listen, I return all of my weights. General population yeah. doesn't. Right? Yeah, I let people right. work in. General population doesn't. I clean the equipment, general population doesn't. So that brings the quality and the overall drive of that gym to, you know, stimulate each other to do better. That brings it down. So if I you only let people- Thailand though, but you get a lot of like the, like the influencer, like the TikTok butt model, like influencers. Everybody, everybody's like this now, you know, there's- Tripods, clip-ons, tripod. rack, and they're making videos <laughs> with a fucking light, you know, that goes around. Yeah. Like it's, it's just getting stupid. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have my moments where I record my, uh, you know, workouts as well, but I always feel kind of guilty. And then I try not to film other members, but I, I've had days where you just, you're literally circumnavigating through all of the recording and you have to be very aware of all the angles and then you walk through somebody's set and they get pissed, you know, even though I make an appearance, so your view should be better. Um, <laughs> tag me, yeah. tag me no, as I, a collaborator, you know, <laughs> I'll share um, it. <laughs> Uh, Jaron's got a kind of a follow-up here on yeah. Foreman with some glutide. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Um, you know, the anti-aging benefits of metformin have greatly been exaggerated. Um, yes, it lowers IGF-1, but you can anti-age with so much better things. So you're you're basically combining two anti-diabetic uh, medications. Semaglutide is an anti-diabetic medication, and so is metformin. And um, you could do that on a ketogenic diet, but if you eat carbohydrates, maybe twice a day, because your appetite is not better, you might experience blood sugar fluctuations because the metformin is slowing your digestion and increasing your insulin, insulin sensitivity. And the semaglutide does. And now you might have like, you know, periods during the day where you're going hypoglycemic. So, and I, I would say that hypoglycemia is not very productive. You know, just sit there sweating and confused and mm. you're like, ah, Am I hungry? Do I need to take a shower? You know, if you if you're really on top of your diet, you can eat five meals and you keep your blood uh, blood glucose level stable, combining semaglutide with metformin. 
okay, go for it. A ketogenic diet would make it a lot easier because now your brain is working on ketos, uh, on ketones. But, you know, regarding anti-aging, you know, if you follow a regular diet that's not inflammatory and not full with free radicals and processed food, then you'll get more anti-aging benefits out of that compared to combining these two drugs. Do you think that berberine's a better um, supplement to take than metformin? It's easier easier to acquire. Um, natural, and too. It, it, yeah, it's natural. Yeah. You have another version called dihydroberberine, which I haven't had an opportunity to try, but the people that tried it say that uh, it's better than regular berberine. The benefits of berberine is that it acts as a depeptidyl peptidase type 4 inhibitor. So that means that it inhibits the breakdown of insulin and IGF-1 and growth hormone releasing hormone. Now, this effect is very small, but I think over time, it, this is one of the reasons why berberine is very beneficial for your insulin sensitivity and your overall glucose uptake because it prevents the breakdown of insulin itself. So insulin is now actually more active. Mm. And a good thing is comparing berberine to metformin is that with metformin, you get gastrointestinal upset. So you can only take it at the end of the day. But berberine, you can take in the morning or with bigger carbohydrate meals, and you still get this insulin sensitizing and glucose disposing effect. Whereas if you take metformin in the morning, oh man, you're bloated to the max at the end of the day. So if you want berberine in the morning, metformin in the evening, good luck. Metformin suppresses the nutrient uptake though, doesn't it? Like they say not to take it on days that you're training. So no, it slows gastric emptying. And that could result in, in a reduction of uh, nutrients. But I, I don't think that's really the case that much mm -hmm. um, if you follow a diet that is high in nutrients. Because, again, you take it at the end of the day. What I, what I notice is that the IGF-1 reduction and the, and the glucose disposing effect of metformin makes your workout the next day less productive. So if I take metformin once a week, on Sunday after I go out with my wife and we eat hamburgers, for example, which is the, the non-healthy food, the most non-healthy food we eat, um, I notice that Monday my workout is less, but it could also be because I'm eating more inflammatory food. Mm -hmm. So I still haven't, you know, found a conclusive answer regarding that. Is it the cheat meal itself or is it the metformin after the cheat meal that is hindering my workout capacity the next day? Speaking of, um, you know, eating out and meals, I know that when you were traveling the States, you know, you're obviously eating oh, out yeah. for the most part. Um, did yes. you find it hard to find quality food in the U.S. versus Thailand or? No, it, I, I think the sanitation is, standards is much higher in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, in the restaurants that I've been to, you know, in Thailand, it's sometimes you're like, hmm, you wonder. So I, I'm very selective on where I eat. And we went to Trader Joe's, which is a grocery store chain in America, and they have all kinds of health foods. So in yeah. LA, I, we we just ate, you know, at, well, we went to Disneyland, so that's all the food we were able to find during the day. And then in the evening, we'd wait, eat at a nice restaurant. But in, in Las Vegas, we, uh, we went to Trader Joe's every four days, and I would just get chicken wraps, chicken sandwiches, cooked chicken, um, you know, some turkey uh, slices and, and cottage cheese. And, and berries and we'll just mix match a lunch together and that that was quite healthy quite protein rich healthy fats etc and then mm. in the evening okay we would eat you know something maybe not so healthy but man it's holiday dude you gotta what's, you know, um, enjoy enjoy the cuisine what's it like living in thailand i think you said um that you were prevented from traveling up until recently yeah so you could come in and out but 
you know, there were some restrictions for coming back in. You would need a vaccine or two, two or five, you know, whatever the rules are nowadays. <laughs> I know they keep changing it all the time. So mm-hmm. you need uh, you need you need to be vaxxed and you needed um, you needed a particular insurance. And then some people, you know, you have like one person on the plane would test positive, right, upon arrival, mm-hmm. and then the whole plane would get quarantined. I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for that nonsense. You so know, they listed that rule. So they, they lifted that rule a couple months ago, and then I started planning for this holiday. And and guess what? You know, now they've been going back and forth whether people need to be double vaxxed or not before they can come in. And that's been going on for the last week. That's a very hot topic. So I've got people contacting me all the time, like, Steve, can I come in? Can I, you know, because they're not vaxxed, mm-hmm. they don't want to, which I completely understand. Um, and, but they don't want to be coming here and then being sent back or being put in quarantine. So we had that situation for like two and a half years where I didn't know if I leave, can I come back um, easily? I'm not Canada wasn't the only insane weeks. country with insane rules. And oh, it's everywhere. Japan too. was Japan was completely locked down. China was locked down. Yeah. So many uh, Australia got. I mean, they got the worst of it. Yeah, they got hit hard. And you know, guys, just to be clear, like like proof of vaccination is not the same thing as vaccination. You guys can read between the lines and figure it out, but you know, solve, yeah. solve problems. Like it's incumbent on you as a guy to solve problems in your life. If you, um, you want to change your blood work permanently, then uh, for the worst, <laughs> then yeah, listen to the government. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So with, with Thailand, like all of these drugs are basically over the counter. You don't need you don't need a doctor's prescription. It's like Mexico; you can just walk in and buy whatever you want. So technically, everything is on prescription, but it's not enforced. So Thailand is a la- is a country where there's plenty of laws, but they're poorly enforced. Um, so I can go into the pharmacy and buy testosterone. Technically, that's on prescription, but I can walk out mm-hmm. of it without a prescription. In my 15 years that I've been here or longer. I've never been asked for a prescription. Same for Nabivalol, Tomasartan, man, uh, post psychotherapy drugs, fertility drugs, uh, you know, a, a lot of stuff that is not FDA approved, but is still being sold under the counter, you know, from the back, sleeping pills and that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's all available. So How did you end it's up, up to somebody invited me when he was uh, studying at one of the universities and there's a good friend of mine. We're still friends to this day. And he, he, he sent me an email. He said, it's fun in Thailand. You should come over. And I was kind of mm-hmm. bored. So based on that short message, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You're living so I booked in a ticket. Holland at the time or? Yeah. Living in Holland. Yeah. 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 So I, I came over and I had a blast and then you come back right. and then you realized, oh man, I can't come back to this. So that's when the exit. Yeah. <laughs> you got a wake up call, right? Like I yeah. can do whatever I want. My euro, you know, converted into Thai baht goes a long way because back then the currency rate was like one euro to 53 baht, which now yeah. it's like 34 or 37. So it's a huge fluctuation. Right? And, and and the country was super cheap at the time. So you, mm-hmm. I felt like a millionaire. And, you know, I was making okay money as a consultant, nothing compared to now. But at the time I was making good money which was not going very far in Holland because of all the restrictions and the, you know, the taxes and all that, you know, stuff to keep you suppressed. And then you come to Thailand, you can literally do whatever. It was such an eye-opening experience. And then I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go back, obviously, just like so many other guys, they don't want to go back. 
So you get kind of cursed. You come to Thailand, you have a good network of people that introduce you and show you around. And then you go back home and you literally feel like you're living in a prison. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to make some changes to my life. So I, I, I arrived yeah. two days later, I booked a ticket for a month. Then I came back, then I booked a ticket for six months, a couple months later. And then, you know, it was after I met my wife um, that I finally settled here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now, now I have a, a proper reason to stay. I had traveled, you know, through Asia and Japan and all these countries in the neighborhood. But that was all before I met my wife. And after I met my wife, I kind of settled here. And now we have a, a great life together. Um, mm-hmm. Because, again, the, the restrictions, besides, you know, the pandemic restrictions, um, restrictions are very, very small. You can literally do whatever you want here. Which is obviously is Thailand similar to um, like a place like v- like Vietnam. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's yeah. mm-hmm. who was actually born in Vietnam, came here. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to retire. I think he's got a few more years, um, and then he's going to retire. and And his plan is really to spend most of his time in Vietnam now. And he's telling mm-hmm. me, you know, like over, like he doesn't like Canada. He doesn't like you know the government, the implications, the restrictions, the mm-hmm. taxes. All the yeah. stuff that sort of comes with living here that people you know around the world think are awesome, but you know, like when they come here after a while, they start to realize, well, yeah, go 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 live in Canada or Holland for a month. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah. but it sounds good yeah, on paper, me, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he was telling me in Vietnam. Um, I mean, like first of all, the obvious is there. Like real estate's cheaper. You know, you can buy pretty much anything for next to nothing, sort of thing. But he, but he's like, there's no social welfare system. Like there's no like if you don't work, then you starve. So everybody works. There's Mm -hmm. no minimum wage, right? So it's like everybody finds a way to make things happen. The taxes are almost non-existent on income. Mm -hmm. Is it the same thing in Thailand? Yeah, same, but it's a little bit more developed. So if you want to see um, what Thailand looked like maybe 20, 30 years ago, go to Vietnam. The buildings Mm -hmm. are smaller. The roads are smaller. um, Things are a little bit behind compared to Thailand. um, But the people are super nice. The English literacy in Vietnam is great as is it's here, even though it's getting worse in Thailand while... In Vietnam, it's actually improving. So their literacy in English is improving way more than here in Thailand. Um, and you know, if if you know exactly what you want out of life, these are places, really good places to live. But you have to sacrifice some things that you're used to in the Western world. So, as brutal as it sounds, like accountability is not easy to find over here. Okay. So, yeah. Accountability, what it sounds like. Can you give me an example? So let's say you you work with somebody, right? A local. Mm-hmm. And you you expect work to be done in a certain way. Um, a, a lot of the times it gets done, you know, half, you know, half-assed. And there's okay. no accountability there. But like, what went wrong? Why isn't it finished? Why, you know, did this? And a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, and expats struggle with this at the higher position jobs. But of course, if you're self-employed and you're really selective on who you let into your inner circle to help you with that stuff, then you don't have to deal with that. But you go to, you know, some of these expat forums or you talk to expats who have been here for 20, 30 years working corporations Man, the stories that you hear. Um, yeah, they, yeah they're, they're quite negative about the situation. And it just, you know, you have to change your mindset. Like in Europe, Canada, America, the government and things are run in a particular way, right? So you can... Count on that for always being in this direction. Well, here you barely can't. So you have to change your mindset. You, Right now, I just expect everything to go wrong. And if it goes right, then I'm pleasantly surprised. So this is the only way to cope with that. 
um, and and you know you tried to, I tried to limit my exposure to the country itself by having um, staff that I delegate particular tasks to, and they take care of it. I don't want to hear what goes wrong. I don't want to hear why it's more expensive or why it's cheaper. I just want to get it done. And and these people that I work with now, they're very accountable, and they get paid you know royally way more than they would get as a you know a salary uh, here in Thailand. So they're happy, and I'm happy. But you need staff to make it. Like if you want to operate a business, whether that's online or, or locally, man, you need really reliable people. And those are super hard to find from my experience, you know, but mm -hmm. maybe I'm not in the right network. Could also be the case because I've always been in the gyms, right? And yeah. I haven't really done much networking, you know, with, with the, the high level entrepreneurs. So that could. Yeah, I find the same thing here with yeah. staff too there was a book that a buddy of mine recommended a few years ago it's called company of one i can't remember the author for the life of me you might want mm -hmm. to check it out but yeah, it's well, basically yeah. you know ideas around structuring your business and your life in such a way that you don't that you have as few employees working mm -hmm. for you or contractors as possible it's one of the things i talk about in my school of entrepreneurship course is trying to structure your business in such a way that you don't have to rely because human beings aren't reliable in general when it comes to working for you or working for somebody else you know there's an mm -hmm. old saying um i can't remember the setup to it, but it's something like you know how long have you worked for the company and the answer from yeah. the employee is ever since they threatened to fire me sort of thing so it's like you know people <laughs> will work kind of like to, to like a minimum level standard that they think is yeah. worth their salary whereas the employer thinks that that minimum standard is sort of here so there's always that gap like the employee does yeah. this much to earn their salary and the employer thinks that it should be around here um, so, I mean, you always tend to run into that problem. And I've always said like, look, you know, if I'm going to assign somebody to do something, I just expect them to do it like about 80% as well as I'll do it. But if you show up doing it like 50, 60%, then we got problems. Yeah, no, I agree. So I've, I've, I've tried to keep my operation similar to that, but I've now come to a point where I need to expand because otherwise I'm just micromanaging six and a half days a week. So I, I you know, all the little chores that I don't want to do anymore, I just delegate to people who yeah i want to talk to you about like youtube and the chores you know kind of in your business yeah. let me just grab these two quick super chats uh this, sure. this dude's asking about stacking mk677 uh to make it i think optimal i think he's talking about the fat burning stuff is that yeah is that what that references to yeah so you can take mk677 before bed but you need to use it with an appetite suppressant like semaglutide or aliroglutide or terzapatide um, because MK677 increases your appetite and it ruins your insulin sensitivity by, you know, your, your growth hormone levels are constantly elevated. And if your growth hormone levels are elevated, you'll always have a little bit of fat in the bloodstream because growth hormone is very lipolytic. So it releases body fat. And body fat in the bloodstream is horrible for insulin sensitivity. So a lot of guys, they eat or they take MK677 and they, their appetite goes way high. And then they um, start eating like a, a, a butthole. And then they ruin their insulin sensitivity to get morbidly obese around the, you know, the love handles and the lower abs and the, and the glutes. When if you can control your appetite with semaglutide and you take it during a cutting phase, then um, yeah, I think it's very beneficial. But you still need to check your blood glucose levels every day, every morning to make sure that you're still insulin sensitive when you wake up. Because if you, your blood glucose go over, goes over 100 milligrams per deciliter, your cardio is less effective. And 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 maybe during the night, it's even way higher. And now you're kind of sending weird signals. Do do I have a time for a quick bathroom break before we get yeah, into yeah. the... Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I'll, I'll, uh, Give me 30 seconds. Yeah, I'll uh, pull Steve out of the stream and bring him back when he gets back from the bio break. And I guess I'll hit Tristan's question over here as far as 
weight because he says I went from 155 pounds to 285, five foot seven, in complete shock. Don't know where to start. And this is a question that I've had a lot. People always ask this sort of stuff, and it's like you don't just go from 155 to 285 overnight or over the course of, of six months. It's a sequence of really bad choices that compound. You know, you don't eat quality food. You don't eat nutritional dense food. You eat processed food. You're eating frozen pizza. I mean, I've done this before on like Zoom calls where I've had guys on like Zoom calls and he's like, you know, exact same question. You can see him. He's got, you know, the weight around his face. You can see he's fat. He's got a couple extra chins. And you're like, well, what do you eat mostly? And it's like, well, frozen pizzas. Okay, well, that's part of your problem. And I think you know that's part of your problem. Stop eating garbage and move more. It's it's not a complex formula. It's really just move more, eat better, right? Um, and some people say, oh, it's not just that easy or like, how do you do that? Or where do you start? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You just start. Um, you just start moving more on a daily basis. You know, if you want to track yourself and hold yourself more accountable to these standards, then get a fitness tracker, get a whoop, get an aura ring, get something that's like tracking the amount of steps that you take every day. You know, measure your measure your caloric intake. Um, it's a it's a do the work sort of question. I'll throw it to you, Steve, because I mean, like, you know, you do this way more than I do. But what do you think of questions like that? So you, you got to start somewhere, right? If I'm not sure if he's coming from complete zero being 285 pounds, but um, you know, if you're currently inactive, start by getting active and, and learning how to love being active. So again, like you said, a step counter or, or a buying some cardio machine so you can do that at home because you know, I know it's winter in certain places in the world. So, you know, outside cardio might not be an option. And I want you to invest into that cardio machine. Now you have the moral responsibility to use that thing. Otherwise you waste your money. So you have that, and and you know maybe the life cycle of that machine is, is like six thousand hours. Okay, work that back by doing cardio on it, and, and that's a good starting point. And then slowly you'll notice that you know you feel better already. Your blood pressure is better. You get more energy during the day. Try to level that up with nutrition. You know you start working on that, and then before you know it, um, you're two hundred twenty pounds. You know, and yeah. it, you just have to start. You just have to start. That's the rule. Start. start. And then level up, keep leveling up and treat it like a job. Like how much, reward, yeah, like how much money do you have? Like, huh? Right. I mean, oh, how yeah. much money do you have? Go to, go to Facebook ads and just buy some weights for a hundred bucks. If you got more money, hire a, a personal yeah. trainer. If you got more money, hire a personal trainer and a dietitian. It's like, how yeah. serious are you about losing the weight? And, and all the money you used to spend on, on, you know, things that got you to that point, put it into a savings account that appreciates. You know, whether that's cryptocurrency or, or stock or, or, you know, just a general uh, savings account with, you know, one and a half percent interests <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. Put it somewhere and then collect that money back once you've reached your goals. You'll be, you're, you're, you'll be like, boy, now, now I have the physique and the money. Yeah. That's the best reward you can give yourself, you know. And that's highly um, motivating. One of the things I've sort of come across the last few years, which I found really interesting, is uh, sleep apnea. And I think a lot of people don't yeah. understand the significance of depriving your body of oxygen when you're asleep. Can you talk about sleep apnea a little bit? Yeah, so I don't suffer from this myself. And I remember on the previous discussion that we have, you recommended that finger monitor, right? Yeah, or I got another they... one, actually, because my last one broke, so... Ah, uh, yeah, but I wear it every so night. So I looked that up, right? And I recommended to, that to a lot of people. And I wish I had a discount code, and I hope you have one now yourself. 
um, because no, 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 me neither. But, but a lot of people, I, I know a lot of people bought them and it improved their sleep quality a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the digital one that tracks, you know, the one uh, on their phone. And then maybe later on, they upgrade to an Aura Ring or, you know, Apple Watch or whatever who can do similar things. But that's already a great way to me- uh, to measure it. So, so self-diagnosis using one of these machines is highly beneficial. And, you know, if you're single, you kind of don't know what's going on at night. But otherwise, your girlfriend or wife or, you know, one of the girls that sleeps over will tell you, like, dude, you snore like crazy. And uh, you got to fix that shit because, you know, they can't sleep. So self-diagnosis is a good way. Otherwise, you set up a webcam, you know, to film yourself at night and just look at the audio track to see if there's any spikes in audio or you're waking up gasping for air. And then go get a sleep study done or find your way to a CPAP machine while you're getting your weight under control. And if if weight, you know, body weight is not the issue, um, maybe, you know, maybe the thorax or, or your neck is too wide or... or you know, it's just, what is that central sleep apnea where the signal from the brain uh, to the breathing is not um, proper? Oh, then you yeah, just there could be an electrical issue in your body, yeah. Exactly. Then then maybe you just need a CPAP machine permanently. And if you go on the CPAP or a, an APAP machine, the automatic that regulates the in and out and has a better humidity control, I mean, it's life-changing. It's a game-changer for people. I don't have sleep yeah. apnea, so I don't I don't know what the difference is. I can be 260 pounds and sleep like a baby, luckily. But I know people that have sleep apnea and watch lighter body weight. And they once they go on the APAP, man, it's a game changer. It's yeah, uh, it fixes so many issues. It's definitely something to consider. So I've had two sleep study, studies done. First one, mm-hmm. they gave me a CPAP uh, after I had it done. It took like six months to get one because of, you know, shortages and whatever so i got that started using it for about three or four months and then during that time i got punched in the nose uh in boxing and my sinuses have never been the same so it's like whenever i sleep now i only get Mm -hmm. air in one nostril so like right now they're Uh both open but i only get Uh like 50 percent air so i don't know if i have to get surgery to fix that if i got to get that tube you know they put that like it's like a bladder they put this like little balloon in your nose and they pump it up and it like opens up the airway so I got to test a few things to sort of get that fixed, but it's a serious issue. Like I noticed with my SPO2 monitor, like after I got punched in the nose mm-hmm. and my sinuses sort of like, you know, took a hit from that, my mm-hmm. average SPO2 went from like 97, 98% down to like 94%. And it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. I do, like, you know, how I sleep, you know, where I sleep, what the pressure is in the CPAP, it's still, mm-hmm. it's still kind of fucked. So it's like one of the things that I'm sort of trying to fix, but it's like most guys don't really pay it, pay much attention to it. And I think the older you get, and especially the more weight that you have, and a lot of guys are overweight in North America, you're probably mm-hmm. going to have breathing issues. And if you're limiting oxygen to your brain and your organs when you're sleeping, which is generally when it goes down, it's yeah. it's going to cut like not even years, maybe in like a decade or two off your life. It's potentially yeah. possible. Yeah, and the quality of life during is also way reduced. Way reduced. So yeah. did you have you been in Canada this entire time when you were dealing with your sinuses being clogged? Yeah. Have you moved to other other um, like more wet climates like Thailand, for example? No, no. I, I mean, I was down in uh, Mexico in November and mm-hmm. I didn't bring my monitor. So I so I didn't bother to check it. But but Did I got punched in the nose cavity? like at the end of never. Well, I got punched in the nose uh, at the end of November during okay. the boxing class. So I think it happened after that. So I'm, so I'm trying to it's like one of those things like, oh, fuck, now I got to deal with this. So I got to get to the bottom of it. Yeah how to get the oxygen levels up and get the airflow working. And it's like, 
Just another thing to add to the table with my other stack of 72 other things <laughs> of bullshit I got to deal with. Right? The more stuff you have to manage, right? So what <laughs> you know, you, if I'm not managing the right? business for my health, what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the most important things, right? Um, do you have a humidifier at home? Because I know the, when the, I went uh, to the CPAP local... machine has a humidifier built into it, so it moisturizes. The no, air. but also also in the in the house because you're, you're oh, breathing yeah. through your nose the whole day. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So maybe furnace, need... yeah. Okay, so so and the humidity is what seventy percent more. Yeah, yeah. Okay, try try a little bit higher, eighty five percent. As climby as it is, it might it I'll try improve it. your immunity. Yeah, give it a try. One of the things I, I actually, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I know people who suffer from similar issues and they move to Thailand and it's gone, even oh, though really? this place the, the pollution is way worse. It's just the humidity, you I'll know, and the, the heat that, that allows your sinuses to kind of calm down and um, okay. you know recover that way. So, and then maybe you can bring your oxygen up slightly also. There's drugs for that, but it's highly experimental. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes, um, from, it comes from Russia. <laughs> I'm trying to stay away from too much experimental shit. I think I've already. Yeah, exactly. Let, let me run that experiment first. I'll update you with a video. And then. Yeah, I'll watch. Yeah, I'll watch for your video when you've, when you've tested it yourself first. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, let's talk about like the whole business of YouTube and what you're doing. Like, how are you finding that? Because yeah. we're because we're chopping up a little bit, you know, before we went live. Right. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's. I think it, without YouTube, I wouldn't have gone this far, right? Because now you reach everybody in the world. But it feels that YouTube always has you by the balls with their weird mm -hmm. rules. You can't swear now, and 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 you need to place ads every two minutes because. We decide how many we're going to show them. And you need a particular thumbnail to bait people in. Right? And mm -hmm. if your thumbnail isn't spicy, then we're not going to promote it because the first, exactly. like, you have different lines, right? So first it shows the video to your core audience and, you know, the lesser core audience and the average audience and a bigger audience. And you need to patch all those layers before you get viral, right? Before viral, it yeah. gets thrown out to the rest of the world. And if you don't pass all those levels, um, then your video will never get shows and it just gets flatlined. Even if you put the tags and, and the information correct, right? So people can actually find your video. It will just never pick up in the algorithm. And that's, as a content creator, that's highly frustrating because you have a particular message to convey, but YouTube tries to benchmark, you know, bench thing and then squeeze that through a funnel and how they want it. And if you don't do that, no views for you. It's highly yeah. frustrating. But then again, I'm very thankful for the platform because without YouTube in general, I wouldn't have gotten this far. You know, nobody would be able to see my face in long form content because Instagram is a minute, minute and a half. And how can you judge somebody's character based on that, you know, or convey a message? So it's still one of the better platforms out there, but I'm just myself and many content creators out there are just a little bit frustrated with the direction that YouTube is going. And there's no alternative out there yet that is uh, up to par with this YouTube, you know, global adoption. So it's the best option that we have, but it's, it's, yeah, it's getting more difficult to really get your name out there and, and, you know, get traction. And then you see other channels that do exactly the thumbnails and the, and the clickbait and the bullshit and the short videos and, and they blow right past you. Well, in reality, what they, the message that they portray or what they're saying at all is just so, I mean, it's, you can't, I wouldn't watch it. Just a waste of time to watch. It's pure entertainment. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> they're milking the algorithm. So all the more power to them. Do you get, yeah. like, where do you get most of your views, um, 
views from like what's your demographic generally is it, is it north america um, is it a certain age yeah group? north the western world a large portion of america and uh men age 25 to 50 55 yeah so it's about my Mostly age men, range. like you don't get a lot of female viewers yeah, females no no but the funny thing is i went to the mr olympia right and i, I met a lot of the core audience that watches my channel and a very large amount is women Mm. Um, so that was interesting to see because I literally have like four or five videos dedicated for women, you know, how mm -hmm. to use PD safely and how to manage your libido and your menstrual cycle and that kind of stuff. Um, but what I think is that the boyfriend or the husband watches me in the back, you know, every free hour of the day so they can learn about for, and then, yeah. and it's like, this is this guy that my husband always listens to this annoying bald guy with disco lights in the background. <laughs> right? And then, but you know, they hear my name echo through the, through the house because they watch me on TV. And uh, so, yeah, the, there is a female audience. Um, and, and there's a lot of women that, that still watch what my wife accomplished, you know, when she was competing, but it's, mm -hmm. if I look at my demographic, women are like one or 2% and, and the others are men. You know, men yeah. around our age. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I cater towards. I, I do an occasional female video. Yeah, it's funny because there really is no alternative. And, you know, like YouTube is a double-edged sword because, in, because mm -hmm. in one sense, it's a very good discovery engine. Like one of the things a lot of guys will, you know, will say when there's problems that pop up is, oh, Rich, you should go to another platform like Rumble, for example. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, all of my content, by the way, is mirrored on Rumble. So I already yeah, have right. the Rumble channel and it, it just copies it over automatically, but there's no discovery right. there. YouTube is a discovery engine and it recommends your yeah. content to people that don't know you. You'll never get that on another platform. So yeah. you kind of have to figure out their game and then sort of play it. And the problem with it, it I found is similar to what Steve mentioned is it, is it really rewards red meat. So um, something's <laughs> trending in the media, like let's say liver yeah. King, for example, there's a uh, reason why like Steve's video went viral at that point yeah. in time on that subject. And also because he was kind of the source of all of that. So mm -hmm. you will get more views in that sense and a few extra subscribers as a result. But at the end of the day, it's like, you, like you're somewhat chained, especially when you want to grow. Like if you want to grow, you're somewhat chained mm -hmm. to what you have to give the algorithms. If you're okay yeah. with, you know, getting less views and you're not so concerned with growth and reach or competing or anything like that because you're happy with where you are then you can put out whatever content you want and your mm -hmm. core audience that already knows likes and trusts you will keep watching you anyway right so it's right. like mm -hmm. you, you just won't get the recommendation to the new viewers right so and there's really nothing that competes out i mean hopefully something shows up in the next few years one of the things i noticed when i got the mm -hmm. that uh, blue badge on uh, uh twitter yeah because um offers was well now you can upload videos to twitter up to 10 minutes long whereas before uh -huh. it was like a minute or two so yeah, uh -huh. we'll see if that like opens up because one of the things i really like about elon musk is, he, is he's not there to censor you and he's getting rid no. of people in the company that that really suppress information and, and censored mm -hmm. information so hopefully something comes up maybe it's twitter maybe it's another platform but yeah you do have to be very careful like there's a lot of stuff that i talk about privately with my guys that mm -hmm. steve and i aren't talking about here right now just because yeah. it's it's going to be no, you can't right like, you get you get deplatformed you know a yeah well look what happened your, to andrew tate right like, yeah, yeah i was just going to bring that up yeah you open you your mouth you get deplatformed. Yeah. yeah yeah you get deplatformed and 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 they're trying to do the same as uh to uh jordan peterson right now by taking his license away you know because he's yeah. very outspoken 
you know, that's, it's, that's really just the college of psychologists. I think he's yeah. milking that more, you know, for the media exposure, which is a very, Probably. very smart angle. Yeah. Cause he doesn't really care if he's licensed or not at this point. Right. Like he doesn't need no, to be licensed. He's bigger he's than that. got reaches. Or, yeah. He's way bigger than that. <laughs> he's way bigger yeah. than that. So, but yeah, if you, if you're very outspoken, then, then, you know, people are trying to bring you down. So, I mean, I, I can be very opinionated, but I just keep it to myself. You know? How do you, how do you get away talk, you know, talking about the topics that you do on a platform like YouTube without getting deplatformed because you're talking about taking like drugs and PEDs yeah. and enhancing your physique and you know stuff like so, that. So so a long, long time ago that was a, a huge issue. So many of the YouTube channels that talked about PEDs early on, they got their channel deleted. And yeah. then, you know, some of them actually sued uh YouTube because that's it goes against freedom of speech, right? And then I believe they changed something. So now it's just as long as you have a disclaimer, which mine is lengthy and uh, rock solid, which shows for three seconds. Every video is a disclaimer. Um, you know, consult your medical professional. Don't do what I do. I'm not a doctor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And so far, so good. But I, I do realize that, you know, the YouTube channel could be gone like this because you pissed right. somebody off or you um, a copyright infringement, right? So I, I always make sure that all of my content that I produce is my content. Right? Not that I copy that for some, something else because you get a copyright strike, you know, really, really quickly if somebody wants to bring you down. So there's a million ways to bring a YouTube channel down. And that's always in the back of my head. But I think my reputation is good enough. Uh, minus this little blemish that, you know, occurred recently. I think my reputation is good enough that if I were to start a new YouTube channel, that I would pick back up subscribers and followers and, and, and you know, I'll be able to return, sort of say. So the, the yeah. YouTube isn't the end all be all. It's in the end, it's your reputation and the love that the community has for you that allows you to continue. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 more happy not fueling the algorithm by making videos that I like to make, and then the guys that really benefit from that, they will send me an email or donate or or show gratitude or whatever, multitude times. And and that's my core business. You know, I like to help men level up. Uh, in a multitude of aspects and you do the same thing right you you mm -hmm. try to help men level up their lives and your angle is a little bit more towards the relationship side and the business side and my angle is a little bit more to the pharmacology side and the training side um and and you know the core audience that really likes to watch those videos they improve their lives and i don't need a big audience or big followers just to know that that people are generally happy and then dude when i went to mr olympia i felt like a celebrity it yeah. was unbelievable. 10 meters, five meters I walk, I meet somebody who supports the channel. And it, that kept going the whole day. I, I lost my voice within two days of being there. Do you get that in Thailand, by the way? Or is that only in uh, North America? No. So here it's getting more and more and more because the tourists are popping in. So every time okay. I go to the gym, I meet people who watch the channels. Steve, so yeah, what's up? And, yeah. I, you know, you talk, you interact. My workouts take way too long. But without these guys... Um, I, I would not be where I was, you know, you need a yeah. multitude of these people to support you, whether that's likes or comments or, or, you know, Patreon or, or buying eBooks or whatever, it, without these people to support you, I would still be some shadow coach, you know, making, you know, good money, but not, you know, life-changing money. And, and yeah, I always tell them, you know, if they try to stop me in the gym, I'm like, um, you know, I'll be in the sauna for 20 minutes. So let's chop it up in there. If you want to talk. Yeah. That's yeah. So right now I, yeah, I, I just, 
if, if people want to chat, it's usually towards the end of my workout, not in the beginning when I'm still enraged and I want to hit some BRs. Enraged <laughs> towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> usually I go to the gym, you know, a little bit later in the day and then I got pre workouts work kicking in, bitch. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got to pre workout. Yeah. So, so if it's towards the tail end, then yeah, I'm very approachable and, and, and generous with my time, you know? And a lot of guys that come here, they don't know anything about Thailand. So I have the, the general questions, you know, where do I buy drugs? Where do I get the girls? And how do I get started? Right? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> of course, because there's a lot of entertainment here, but most of them, it's, you know, kind of sleazy and shady. So I, I always direct them to the, you know, high quality is it, entertainment. Is it pretty easy as a Westerner to get girls here? <laughs> yes, of is course. Is it as easy as they say? Let's just put it that way. Yes. Anybody, yeah. anybody, no matter how ugly and fat, and uh, anybody can get laid here. Now, yeah. if you're if you're not taking care of yourself, of course you're going to end up with a woman that does the same. Um, but if you if and if you have a little bit of game back home and you dress well and you you present finances, right? It doesn't mean you have to have them, but if you present mm-hmm. like you're financially secure, it's super easy. Well, at least mm-hmm. from my experience when I was still single, and then now that you know the door is closed. Will probably never open again. Uh, but when I was single, it was <laughs> so easy, it was almost embarrassing. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> you know, we've had a great show. We covered a lot of stuff. Uh, sure. I really encourage you guys to go check out Steve on his YouTube channel. His uh, channel is linked, it's hyperlinked in the title of the video. And it'll it'll go everywhere from there. So you can find him on Instagram and book him for coaching and you know, definitely go through his catalog. Anything you want to say before we bounce, Steve? Uh, I want to know when you're coming over, man. I don't know. Uh, Asia's a, <laughs> we asked, Asia's a 20, I asked you the last podcast. But... <laughs> it's a 2023 hour flight. Um, I will I will definitely hit you up if I'm ever in Thailand. There, there is, so a client of mine, he came over and I wrote it down for all the guys that live in Canada and have this excuse it's a long flight. Air Canada has a direct flight to Bangkok and it's only 15 hours. 15 hours. What do you... Is that from Vancouver or from Toronto? Yeah, for Vancouver, three times a Vancouver. week. Okay, so yeah. 15, uh, five-hour flight from Toronto. So, yeah, yeah, so you're still talking about 20 hours. No, still 20 plus hours, the, yeah. Plus the, plus the connection, but yeah, reasonable. Yeah. So it's I brutal, will 100% yes. look so, you up if I ever go there, yeah. Yeah, 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 hit me up. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll do some silly jet ski stuff, you know. It won't be the snow, uh, the snowmobiles, but jet skis and, and that kind of stuff, you know, the little 100%. boy toys. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely take it, take them out, and have a good time. So that's all I wanted to know. Um, right. Where can where can you find me, Vigorous Steve? Type it into Google, and you'll find me. Um, I'm on, there's only one Vigorous Steve, and he's easy to find. Cool. All right. Thanks. Uh, you know, thanks make so sure much. you guys do all the algorithm stuff. Thumbs up, comment below, all that good stuff, and you know, subscribe to Steve's channel. Thanks for watching. Don't go.